My name is Ishbal and I have ulcerative colitis and we can fight this together. Welcome to tonight's episode. Uh, tonight we're talking to Ismail. You might know him better as Razi Blog on Instagram. He's uh, been someone I've been following for a while and I find him quite inspirational. He does a lot of stuff about mental health and not allowing our diagnosis to define who we are as people and just trying to lead a normal life. So if you don't follow already, I'll put the link down in the description. Just hit them up and have a look, see what you think. So let's get stuck into tonight's episode. Ismail. If you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself and and then we'll get into starting with a few questions. So my name is Ismail and um, I have my account on Instagram, Razzyblog. Uh, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis back in November of 2015. And since then, it's just been a bit of a wild ride, just um, trying to navigate the illness and trying to make a difference and advocate and be an ambassador for different um, organizations and help people feel a little bit more comfortable with their IBD or even different chronic illnesses. Cool. I mean, I've obviously uh, started following you on Instagram and I know that the content that you put out is really inspirational and a lot of it stems from your own experiences and some of the struggles that you've come through and trying to flip that onto a positives edge to help people, which, which I find personally really inspiring. Um, and you. it's kind of one of the main reasons that I've started trying to create content and brought me all the way up to actually interviewing yourself is yeah. literally just following your feed. So it's, it's almost like a thank you from myself to you. <laughs> well, um, but uh, when, we, when was it that you were diagnosed and what was going on at your time uh, when you were diagnosed in, in your life? What was happening? Um, so I was, it was summer of 2015 was when I started feeling the effects of the illness. And at that point in time, I had a lot of stress going on in my life. So I was working about seven days a week. I would work about 12-hour days. Um, and it was just a lot of, I would say, like a lack of self-care at that point because I was putting things ahead of myself, which were leading to more stress. And, I, and what I realize now, hindsight, um, is that the more stress I have, the more inclined I am to get a flare-up or, um, you know, weight loss. So in that time, in the summer of 2015, I had lost 20 pounds within a month, which was really quick. And so I'd gone and I'd met with my family doctor and I'd let him know what was going on. And, you know, he was like, I don't think it's concerning, but just to be safe, I'll recommend you to um, a specialist. So then a month later, I'd met with the specialist in August of 2015. And then her first instinct, not saying it was the best instinct, but the one thing she said to me was like, based on your symptoms and what you're having, it, I feel like you have, um, she's like, it sounds like you have colon cancer. Whoa. <laughs> she, yeah. And she's like, but we won't know until we do a scope. And my scope wasn't until November. So from August till November, I just had in my head, okay, I have colon cancer, and and I didn't tell I didn't tell family, I didn't tell friends because I didn't have the answer for sure. But it didn't help that that now became a part of my stress too, so that made things even worse by the time November came around. But then we did the scope and um, found out it was ulcerative colitis. But yeah, so the main thing that I realized was in that point in time in my life, I was putting a lot of things ahead of my own well-being 
and I was letting the stress of those things kind of take over and that's kind of where I think um, I think that's what triggered the illness because they do say that it can be dormant within your system it might be something you always have but something can trigger it and I believe in my my specific scenario it was um, stress induced nice uh, just for the viewers how, how old were you when you were going through this at that point I would have been I was 28 in the, it, I was 28 when I started going to the doctor's appointments I was 29 by the time I was diagnosed so it was right before my birthday and right after my birthday and how, how long did could you guesstimate how long maybe you were carrying the symptoms for uh, I believe it was from about May um, of 2015 until November 2015 when I found out. Is there anything, because um, I, know, I know some people feel like once they've got that diagnosis, they kind of look back like you've done now with perfect 2020 vision and go, oh, was, so has there been a point in your life prior to diagnosis where you've gone, maybe that was ulcerative colitis then or? N not exactly because I think back to, you know, what I used to eat and everything like that. And the things that irritate my stomach now or my gut are things I used to eat and enjoy normally. So it, it was, it's a, it was a complete shift. So it was a, um, basically everything that I knew back then is completely opposite now. Uh, so I don't think there was a point in time then, but I'm sure there were symptoms, but you know, you don't have the knowledge of it at that point yeah. and you don't really, um, you don't hang on to those memories because it's just kind of like, oh yeah, it's just an off day or, you know, I was in university or I think back to my university days when I was in my early twenties and you, you know, you party a lot and you're like, oh, that's probably just cause I was, I was drinking a lot on the weekend or anything yeah. like that. So, um, it's hard to pinpoint anything prior to my diagnosis of that were symptomatic or symptoms. Yeah. The next question is what has having this disease taught you about yourself? Few things actually. So if I think about it, one thing that it, one of the main things it taught me is that I am stronger than my illness. So, um, as bad as it may seem at times, I truly believe, the universe, energy, anything like that, you're only given what you're able to handle. So I know that I have the ability to fight through whatever is thrown my way because up until this point, I've been able to get over any of my hardest days. Therefore, it means nothing has been able to get me down. So I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I've had from this illness. Um, secondly, I think what I've taken away from the um diagnosis and illness is the fact that uh, it's I, I've learned how to separate myself from the illness for the first two years um, it was a little bit darker for me I, I definitely you you kind of become a recluse and you start feeling some sort of shame and um, guilt towards having this illness you um, blame yourself for it I'm not sure not everybody goes through those symptoms but I know a lot of people um, you know, the mental health aspect of it can mm -hmm. feel those things. And so, yeah, the biggest thing I took away from that was that I'm not my illness. 
And luckily I had the support of my partner and I had the support of um, my therapist who I would talk to and she was, and that's actually where Razzy blog came from was um, she, she said to me, you should start journaling to get all these negative feelings that you have out that you're holding on to for this illness because that's not good for your illness either. And so I had started to, um, instead of journaling into a book, I was like, well, I'm going to journal. I'm going to create an Instagram account. I'm just going to journal on there. And that's, it was surprising that there was a lot of people that reached out that wanted to share their own story or thank me for sharing my story. And that's just kind of how it grew. But the biggest takeaway from that for me was that ulcerative colitis is something I have. Ulcerative colitis is not something I am. So you talked a little bit about uh, mental health as well. I know you set up a movement or is, is, is it a company or a movement? It's right now it's more of a movement. We're working towards becoming an organization. So uh -huh. it, it's um, hidden dot spoons on Instagram. And it's just a forum that I've created for people to share a little bit of their story, what, what they were diagnosed with. Um, so it's not just specific to IBD because when, as I've been speaking to people in the past three, four years about their illnesses, what I've learned is even other people with different illnesses, we all go through the same grieving process. We go through the same mental health struggles because we all mourn a life that we used to have, or we all, um, we all look back to a better time and that gets us down. And so Hidden Spoons is about having people share the toughest times that they've been through and then sharing um, what positivity they found within it. And the purpose of that, because one of the main things I believe in is the power of community. So Hidden Spoons is more about building a sense of community for people to not feel so alone in their illness. Because when you, when you have a chronic illness, it's not uncommon for you to isolate yourself. And you can sometimes start feeling like, why is this happening to me? Um, or, um, you know, is anybody else feeling this? Because you don't really have anywhere to turn to. It's not like you, in, they're invisible illnesses for a reason. You can't see someone when you're walking down the street and know mm -hmm. they also have that. So creating a platform where people share those things and, you know, you can't tell by looking at them, but they, a lot of people deal with the same things. And it's just a matter of creating that, environment in that space where people can share those stories and not feel judgment or not feel afraid and they're able to be vulnerable and not um, not be scared um, but a part of Hidden Spoons is also that we do host events so in the past 10 months we've had two events um, one, the first one we had five speakers come and join us and they all had different illnesses they spoke to an audience we, we had rented out a theater. We had an audience of 110 people. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, everyone shared their stories, but then they also shared how they found positivity within their illness. And then um, we had our second event, and that one was um, still around chronic illness, but that one was parents of smaller children that have chronic illnesses. And um, because whether you're... The parent of someone with a chronic illness or your spouse of someone with a chronic illness it affects all the people around you as well mm -hmm. so those people for especially for parents when they have dependent children it's uh, really important that we address their mental health as well because it's hard on a parent to have to watch their child go through these things and 
you know, have to make some decisions for their child on behalf of their yeah. child, and they can hold some guilt if they know they're not getting better. So, yeah. So, uh, biggest part of Hidden Spoons is just a matter of creating community and giving a voice to the people who can be marginalized or aren't necessarily um, visible. And where where were you holding these conferences or get-togethers? Um, so we, I would rent a theater downtown. It was like a an opera house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's downtown it, Calgary, yeah. Yeah, downtown Calgary. Um, it's in the Arts Commons building, and it was called the Engineered Air Theater. So we would host the events there, and we would rent it out. And yeah, they have like a stage, and they would set up sofas and things for us on the stage. And then um, yeah, and then we had all the chairs set up, and there was like we'd have sponsors and bars, and yeah. Have you got any more um, lined up? And where where could people find out in the future about getting tickets to come along and? Uh, I always post it on my Instagram. At the moment, we, we're we trying to, we're, we're going to try a different format first. So we're going to focus a little bit on the social media aspect of it for a bit. And then we're going to reapproach the events. Um, and we want to kind of fine tune the way that we do it. So we're not, and then we also, we have a lot of people from around the world that ask us to, they, that they'd love to be there. So we're trying to figure out a way that we can live stream it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just um, we're trying to figure out everything before we reapproach the next one, just so it's you know a well-oiled machine. But you'll find out more details about it on my own Instagram, Razzyblog, or on the Instagram for Hidden Spoons, which is Hidden Dot Spoons. So what what was um, the inspiration behind Hidden Spoons? I know you've touched on it a little bit then, but what what because I know your your Razzyblog came along to help help you and obviously mm-hmm. it was then about helping other people what 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 was the uh, aha moment if you will where you went this is something that needs to happen so a little bit about my background is um in schooling i did urban planning and urban sociology which is the focus on communities and how to build a community well and then after i was done my degree i worked for um a lot of l- property developers land developers um, you know, I build high rises downtown Calgary and build um, communities within the city. Um, I was part of planning them and uh, designing them. So my focus has always been on the use of a space and how people utilize that space and how they connect within that space. And so that's always been my focus in my career. It was just interesting that once I had once I got this illness and I was feeling really alone and I started talking to other people about it and they were reaching out to me and sharing their stories. I realized that it was a very cathartic thing for not myself, but also for everyone else to talk about their stories and to feel connected to each other. And I realized anything that I had learned within school and within my career also fell into this realm of um, community with an illness as well, because it, I realized that building community wasn't just about a physical community that you're building, whether it's in a city or in a neighborhood, but it's also creating a community online, especially in 2018, 2019. um, Everything has such an online presence and to have all these people reaching out from around the world to share their stories and for them to thank me or for me to thank them or for us to have that connection without having physically been in the same space led me to realize that... um, environment and space doesn't have to be a physical thing. So I wanted to use Hidden Spoons as a, 
uh, forum for everybody to kind of be in one space and be able to read through stories, whether they're having a bad day and they just need to find positivity or whether they just want to share their own story to help other people. I realized for me, helping other people is what helps me deal with my illness or cope with my illness. And that's where Hidden Spoons kind of came from. A lot of the um, advice that we I've, I noticed from your stuff is, is not allowing your disease to define you. Is there anything, basically along those lines, what advice would you give to somebody who's newly diagnosed or struggling with a diagnosis? That's a tough one because I think that newly diagnosed, you have to go through all the feelings a little bit. You have to kind of go through those stages to before you're open to the idea of you have to, yeah, you have to go through the process until you reach that point of realizing to accept your illness. So as painful as it was for me when I was first diagnosed to go through those stages of grief, I think it was important to grieve all of the things that used to be um, for me to understand the positivity in what I have. And not saying that um, everyone has to grieve, because there are certain people that might be diagnosed and they don't go through that because they, for them, they're strong enough to like just power through right away. But it's, yeah, being first diagnosed, it's a tough situation because it affects everybody differently. Like mm -hmm. for me, I was affected, uh, my mental health was affected for a good two years before I really made a difference um, for myself. And then... For other people I've talked to and they, they were like, I just, as soon as I found out, I did all, I studied what I needed to change. I did everything I needed to do, for, change my diet, everything. And I've, it's just been an adjustment, but I've done it. So it, I think it's a matter of how people, their, their process. But I think everyone needs to know it's okay to be vulnerable. Everybody needs to know it's okay to express your feelings. Having feelings isn't a negative thing. Showing emotion isn't a negative thing. Um, having some sort of an outlet to express yourself, whether it's you want to write it down in a book or you want to start an Instagram page, whatever it may be, I think it's important to know to not stifle that voice. Because if you stifle that voice, you're just keeping it inside and then you're going to increase your stress. And when you increase your stress, you're probably going to it becomes a vicious cycle with the illness where you're perpetuating the illness by staying stressed what how do you feel about the current movements of instagram and hiding the likes and things at the minute because in my head just as you were talking i was like going would people in our positions be vulnerable well i don't know i i have not really experienced much trolling um but i know a lot of people that have the one thing that i always tell them is that the people who hide behind their computer and just like to spew out negativity, they wouldn't have the gall or like the confidence to say that to your face. They hide behind a computer and say what they want. And don't focus on the amount of likes you get because that's not the validation that we need. The validation that we need is within ourselves. So getting our stories out there and um, being vulnerable and feeling taking that burden and that weight off yourself is what's most important. It's not how many people are listening to you, how many people are liking it. Um, yeah. So, cause 
when I started this journey on Instagram, I didn't really expect anybody to be listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I started a new account, Razzyblog, just to write somewhere. I didn't know if people would respond. I didn't, it was never my intention. So I think setting out the intention of you're doing this for yourself rather than that you're doing this for other people. If in turn it helps other people, then that's wonderful. But you're not, you're, the intention for you should be to focus on yourself. And then if you help people along the way, that's just an added bonus. And if you're able to maintain helping people on the way, that's great. But don't focus on what other people think about your journey. Yeah, I think, yeah, like uh, the ROI of happiness has got to be more important than anything else, I think. Yeah, I think I think with the, I'm like, I've not, I've not experienced any negative comments yet, but I'm still very new to the sort of social media world. It's been kind of one of those things for me where it's been something I'll do, photograph a cat and stick it on somewhere. Uh, whereas now I'm starting to find a bit more of a purpose. And similar to how you were, I kind of feel like I have a number of conversations in the last few years with people um, who who just seem to be coming out of the woodwork with IBD, I thought, well, if so many people are asked that I'm bumping into just in serendipity are having these issues, how many people are out there that I'm not bumping into are having these issues and what way can I sort of, from my own sort of professional perspective and personal perspective, do something to help these people. But I think if I was to encounter that negativity, one of the, one of the things I find. Uh, do, do you ever follow Gary V or anything like that? He's a uh, he's on YouTube and, and Instagram. But uh, one of the things he talks about is if that person's leaving you negative comments, it's it says more about that person than it says about yourself. He feels sorry for them because they've spent that time consuming what he's saying and then sat there and thought about what they wanted to say back and spend so much time in a negative feedback loop that he's like. Wow. Well, negativity always comes from, I find, not always, most of the time it comes from an insecure place. If someone chooses to pass judgment on you or if they have anything negative to say about your experiences or they choose to, you know, just have anything negative to say, it always stems from an insecurity. And it could be as they may feel uncomfortable uncomfortable by the fact that you're able to be vulnerable and they're not so they'll call you out on it or you know they'll pass judgment on you for it's like they're always trying to catch you in some sort of a in a vulnerable spot just to make themselves feel better and if that's how that person chooses to try and find validation in their life yeah you can do nothing but feel bad for them because you should be able to find validation and happiness within yourself without having to put other people down. I'm, I, my diagnosis at the minute is indeterminate between clones and ulcerative colitis. So it, the way it, it um, displayed, they weren't able to give. So initially it was ulcerative colitis. And then when I had my colon removed, they're like, we're not actually sure now because of the way that was when they examined it. So one of the, one of the byproducts I've noticed is I, I can struggle day to day with fatigue and things. And I know you do. You are massively busy in, in what you do and setting up, uh, I know whenever we were looking to set this up, you'd mentioned that you're running several different things at once. And I'm just wondering, how do you, how do you manage to push through on those days and like 
um, you know, when you're setting up Hidden Spoons, running your blog and your other ventures that you're involved in, you know, on the painful days and the days where you're maybe feeling run down, how, what, what inspires you to keep going and, and how do you manage it? The funny thing is when I was managed or when I was starting Hidden Spoons, it was last fall. So like September, October. And around that time, I was actually quite sick and my, um, my iron level, my ferritin level was down to a two. And yeah, so you're supposed to be anywhere above, I believe, a 40 to 400. And yeah, I was at that, a two. Yeah, that's, that's rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. So I would be working really hard during the day. And I think the reason why I was working so hard for Hidden Spoons and my own business and everything was because those are things that I'm really passionate about. But the thing is, when I get home from work, I would just crash. It was like 5 p.m. and I would just be out for the rest of the day. I wouldn't be up until the next morning. And so for me, the thing that always drives me and allows me to do these things is my own passion for it. And, but that's not to say that's the case for everybody. For, for me, the thing that I love is helping people. So within my own business and without, within Hidden Spoons, I love just making sure I'm helping people. So sometimes it can by default put, um, me on the back burner a little bit um, at times, but I always make time to rest. I always, like These are things I never used to do for myself. So self-care is a little bit more important to me now. And if I'm not able to do something or if I don't have the energy for it, I won't do it. Whereas before I would, so now I do what I want. And then if I am out of energy, I won't push myself beyond that. But before I would do what I want and then I would do what other people wanted me to do as well. And I, you know, I was, I was running low. So yeah, it's finding that balancing act between part of it is like, um, I, if you're doing what you love, it doesn't so much feel like work. And then, but yeah, it is that balancing act between, um, looking after others while also looking after yourself. You can't, you can't let one out. You, you want, actually you do want it to out your help or self care to outweigh a little bit than helping others, but it's always a balance it's a give or take. So you can't let yourself ever fall to the wayside. Do you think your diagnosis is to help you invest more in your passions and be more focused on making sure the things in your life are stuff that you're passionate about as opposed to anything else? Yes. A hundred percent because yeah, I, I took a little bit of a break. So I, I told you guys what I did, did in school and what I did in my career. Um, one of the main things I love in my career is doing architectural design. And so I, I had stopped doing any of that after I was diagnosed. And I started working an office job, which was like nine to five, which was a little bit mundane. It didn't, I didn't really enjoy it so much. But I've gotten back into the design world about a year ago. And since then... I like had started my own business. I've hired staff because it's been growing. Um, I, I, it's just been a really insane response that I wasn't expecting. So in the past year, like I've had my projects show up in magazines. Um, one of my projects was up for an award for best interior design in Canada. So it's been, and I've realized that I'm putting all my energy now into the right things and it's now lessening my stress which is helping me cope with my illness which is um 
yeah, it, it's it's this really interesting relationship I'm having now with um, the things I choose to associate myself to. So is it, does it feel like it's almost creating a beautiful cycle as opposed to the alternative, which would be a vicious cycle? Kind of. It's almost like this is a new cycle that's running parallel to my illness. And it's a, so it's like separate. So that illness is still running, but this separate cycle is almost it's either going to make that cycle of my illness larger or it's going to minimize it. And I feel like if you're doing things that you love, eventually they will overshadow the, the negative in your life, which happens to be my illness for me. So before we started chatting or before, before we started the interview, you mentioned that you've become quite involved. And I, I first came across you, I, I think, through Crohn's Colitis UK. You mentioned that you've been heavily involved with Crohn's Colitis Canada. Can you just let me know what's happening with that? And I know you've had some big news from there as well. So about two years ago, I started volunteering with them for um, what we have here is the Gutsy Walk. I know you guys have a, a walk in the UK. I can't remember what it's called, but it's similar. Yeah. Or, there's like a what what is it the walk called there uh, i think it's just called walk it or it takes yes, it takes yeah, guts yeah. Is, is the movement and then it's called yeah. walk it yeah so yeah you guys have walk it we have the gutsy walk here in canada and it's canada wide so i've been volunteering with them for the past two years and then recently i was approached by the current president of um crohn's and colitis foundation canada or calgary sorry about um basically taking over his presidency so um, I guess that's a nomination in a way. And he, luckily, the person that's behind me um, to kind of nominate me is the current president, and he's wanting me to take over for him. So the elections are on September 26th. Um, and so I'll be finding out if I'm elected as the new president then. Um, it's up to the executives. And then also Crohn's and Clyde's Foundation of Canada, I'm, they're flying me out to Toronto next month for four days Beautiful. for a conference and an award ceremony. Um, there's a conference called uh, Guts, so that's what they're flying me out there for. Yeah. And are you going to be speaking at the conference or is it? Is it? are you there as a guest? I'm just there as a guest, yeah. I think uh, it, it'll be my first year there, so I don't think I have any... Um, anything to speak on there but I am talking to because I'm also the ambassador for Lifebulb and um, they have talked to me about hosting a Hidden Spoons event in New York because mm -hmm. that's where they're based out of so that's a discussion we've been having for the past few months and then they're having an IBD event in November which they've they've shown a little bit of interest of me coming out there to speak at that one um, so yeah there's a couple things in the works and we'll see in regards to like this chronic illness and IBD world and different events. So you mentioned Lifebulb. I've seen, I've seen you recently take over their um, social media feed on Instagram. Uh, could you just tell us a little bit more about what Lifebulb is and how you ended up getting involved with them? How did I get involved with them? I th they reached out to me. They, it was after I started my Instagram uh, about, how long ago was that now? This is... 2017 I guess so two years ago and they reached out to me and they just liked what I was posting they liked my content um, and they asked if I wanted to be involved and if I was interested in being an ambassador for them um, which I was and then we I started doing some writing content for them and then I did some video content for them 
And um, from there, the thing about Lifebulb is they like to promote entrepreneurs with chronic illnesses. So people who are doing something within the chronic illness community. So then when they say entrepreneur, they're referring to um, business ideas or something that are related to chronic illness. And um, yeah, and they like to promote them and kind of create um, an environment for them. So that's how I fit into that group now. And then um, their marketing manager, she and I, have been in discussions just for different projects and things that we can work on together. So, but that's Lifebulb. It's worth checking out because it's they're very they love promoting people who are making a difference within the chronic illness community. How do people reach out to them if they wanted to get in touch? Um, what sort of services do they offer, or would they normally reach out to you if they wanted to work with you or something? Um, well, in my case, they reached out to me, but I do believe if you on their website, there must be in the contact us section, I believe that there's um, contact information and they're, all, they're always willing to like, hear out what people's ideas are and they do offer grants and um, bursaries for people who have ideas that um, are, you know, ideas that are innovative and are there to help other people with chronic illnesses. So you can always apply for different grants and bursaries and they'll help you guys get funding for different um, ideas that you have. And there's always different um, different grants for different areas. So one might be for mental health, one might be for IBD, one might be for lupus. So they've got different things to offer. They're, they're very well connected in that area of getting funding for people to get their ideas off the ground for chronic illness. I never even uh, knew, about, knew about them until I literally was uh, seeing you were put up on your post that you were going to be taking over their social media and I seen a couple of bits of things in your feed where life life ball being linked in and I, I went onto their page and I was like wow who are these people like this is this is insane this is exactly what our community like just little little bits and pieces like yourself and then them and like it just makes you realize that there's so much out there that's almost hidden obviously they're everybody's trying to be as out there as much as possible but it's almost like you stumble across things and you're like going, whoa, I didn't realize that was... I, th I think I'm going to be emailing them because I've got a couple of ideas about uh, clothing. So it's something I noticed whenever um, I had my stoma and a, a few other people, one, a couple of my friends actually who have stomas now really struggle in, uh, in, in sort of when it comes to training and then gen generally just in fashion, trying to be fashionable with concerns. And it, I just don't think there's a clothing um, available to us. I also think that in the whole chronic illness community too, there's a lack of representation of men in the community. Mm -hmm. But um, so it's nice to have people like yourself or, you know, um, on Instagram, his name's Mr. Crohn's Colitis. Um, I don't know if you follow him, but he's also in the UK. And just having people like you guys, like you guys just also kind of giving a voice in different areas of the world because um, it's socially it's been you know like we're, we're raised societally in society society as men to not express what we're feeling and kind of keep our these things to ourselves so it's nice to have people showing that you can um, talk about those things mm -hmm. and so I find that there have been like clothing lines that are helping 
women with um, stomas and things like that, but there aren't too many yet for men. And I think it might just be the lack of representation of men within the chronic illness community because a lot of them don't want to come forward or speak about it. They kind of keep it within themselves. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you do what you're doing to try and create that voice for everybody. But by having like this um, podcast, thank yeah. you. Coming, coming for you, that means a lot. Thank you very much. Well, building on from Lifebulb and, and all the stuff that you've got coming up in the pipeline, are you um, heading out to Toronto for the Crohn's Colitis Canada, possibly uh, election to, pr- to be in the president for Crohn's Colitis Calgary? Yeah. It's super, like, super exciting. Um, but yeah. with, with that, what, what is, what's your like, personal hope for the future, uh, you know, looking at things like uh, personal, professional, um, and family and things like that? I think the main thing that I want to just make sure is that I, as long as I'm happy, I think then the relationships in my life will maintain really well as well, whether it's friendships, family, um, love, like love relationships, whichever. I think it's important that you, ha- you have to find the happiness within yourself because you can't rely on other people to make you happy. So you, no matter how bad things have gotten for me, I've always had to reset back to the mindset that, okay, I need to find happiness within myself so that way I can be my optimal self towards everybody else and all the other relationships in my life. I can be the best um, business owner. I can be the best person for certain organizations. I can be the best partner. I can be the best son. I can be the best friend. But to do those things, you can't possibly be your best self to those people if you're not being the best version of yourself to yourself. So it always has to come back to the home base and finding a way to um, just look after yourself before you can look after other people. You know, like when you're on um, when you're on a plane and they give the little um, instruction videos and they're like, you put the face mask on um, yourself first. It's kind of like, well, you you have you have to be able to breathe and be the best version of you to help the other people because you've got to be strong if you want to be able to help other people and you can't be strong you can't be you can't fake strength so you have to be strong within yourself before you can possibly spread yourself into different areas otherwise it'll just break you down that's beautiful. So we're looking at working on your own self to help you be better for everybody else. I think personally that's something I need to do a lot more of. I think I, I know per, earlier you mentioned your pre-diagnosis self or your, your pre-life. I think I chatted to you uh, once upon a time about uh, pre-life guilt. And uh, I think that's something a lot of people struggle with, particularly myself at times, especially on days where I would maybe feeling like I'm fatigued. I kind of I kind of slip and think about, well, you used, you used to be this like athlete, you used to be really fit and robust as as it and that that would start a really negative cycle for me like what tools or tips have you got for anybody who maybe struggles with things like that i I mean to be completely honest there's something i still struggle with at times so it's not like i rid rid myself of those thoughts either that's something that i still can think time and time again too especially if i'm not feeling well um you it's automatic that your mind will go back to well remember the days when uh, things were easier remember when you wouldn't you could do this and you were able to go hiking or you were able to work out harder or you were able to spend more time in the gym. You know, you start thinking about those things and 
it it can be a slippery slope, but you have to always. One thing that I always have to find myself doing is I have to catch myself when I'm having those thoughts, and say, "That was then," and you're still just as strong because I may not be as physically strong as I was then because I could spend a lot more time in the gym. I used to do weight training in the gym before pre-diagnosis, and now I can't. I can't spend as much time in the gym, but I find that mentally, I, the strength that I've lost physically, I'm I've gained mentally. And to just remind yourself that everything kind of balances out. Currently in my life, where I need more strength is mental health rather than physical health. So where I used to be more physically strong, that has just kind of filled a void where I wasn't. Is mentally strong now, so that's just kind of shifted, and that strength is going to shift throughout your lifespan, anyways. There's going to be times where you have to be stronger for other people. There's going to be times where you have to be mentally strong for yourself. There's going to be times where you're feeling physically stronger than you have ever before, and that is just going to shift exactly where it needs to be. And currently, I have to remind myself that the strength that I'm looking for is still there. It's just in a different area of my life. It's in the mental health area rather than the physical health area.、Um, you mentioned before in the interview that whenever you got diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it took you a while to to come to terms with it. And one of the things that helped you come to terms with it was understanding that yes, you had also colitis, but that wasn't going to define you. Would you say that's something similar in your discovery through mental health? I think that was one of the biggest things with mental health for me. Was separating myself from the illness because I, I had become so consumed with the idea of the illness that I would spend most of my time just trying to research. And you know, when you go into the internet and you're constantly researching something, you can end up in this rabbit hole, and you will find the darkest, most negative things on the internet about whatever it is you're researching. Anything that you, I, you can think of absolutely anything, and you could probably search it and find it on the internet. And sometimes when you're in those Areas and your and、uh, your mental health might be in a decline, and you start reading some of these negative things. You start to believe that that's exactly where you're headed, and not everything on the internet is valid. Not everything on the internet is true. Not everything on the internet is going to tell you that that's the path you're going to go down. So yeah, I think we're. I it was just a matter of figuring out where. Yeah, what was important? Like I didn't. Uh, you have to separate yourself from those things if you want to stay mentally strong,、yeah. and that's how that's the biggest thing I think. What advice would you give to someone who's got IBD and they're thinking about setting up their own movement, similar to how you are, you know,、uh, so they've got IBD or a chronic disease and they want to set up a company or set up a movement and do something, give something back? What sort of advice would you give them? I think the biggest thing I always turn back to is what is my intention? Why am I doing this? Am I doing this for me? Am I doing this for other people? What do I want to gain from it? And just setting out the intention and the goals that you're wanting to achieve, and figuring out why it is you're doing it.、Um, I feel like starting a movement to get notoriety isn't always the right way to do it. Not saying that's why people do it. There, but there are some instances where people would do it for likes and for followers. And but then there's then there are the people that truly want to help people and make a difference. And I think that's approaching it in the right way.、Um, just understanding what the your intentions are and setting goals and not pushing yourself 
too hard. Um, understanding your limits, because even with hidden spoons, I know based on my schedule that I'm not able to post on there all of the time. Um, so I will reach out to people. I'll get them to share their stories when they've got time, but I'm not going to I'm not putting an intention or a goal out for myself or an expectation, which I know would put too much pressure on myself. So I'm not sitting here saying I need to have a post every single day for Hidden Spoons because I know that that's not realistic for me at this time. You know, like I have a lot of other things going on, so it's not fair for me to put that pressure or that expectation on myself to um, expect to have content to post every single day but the content that i do choose to pose and or post and when i do post it it's to help others so it becomes a matter of quality over quantity are you doing it for quality or are you doing it for quantity are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it for others are you doing it for because you want to help people or are you doing it because you want to get follows are you doing you know so it's a matter of figuring out the balance of why you're doing it and that way you're doing it and you're being happy while you do it rather than getting caught up in all of the negativity which can be the follows the likes and the how many people are looking at this how many people are following this how many people are interested in this because eventually if you're doing something you love whether it's a job and you know you whether it's uh, starting a movement if your passion is behind it eventually the people will come because people flock and gravitate towards sincerity people flock and gravitate towards um, a genuine feeling or a connection that they have to people and you can't force a genuine connection you can't force sincerity so those are kind of the biggest things i would say if you're starting or wanting to start a movement do it make sure it's coming from a sincere place because people can always tell the intention um, you know if if you're doing it for the wrong reasons it'll show so you always want to be doing it. You want to be stepping with your best foot forward. You mentioned uh, discovering your why and, and exploring the why behind what you're doing or what you want to do. How, how long did it uh, did you spend in that period or that process when you were come when before you hit wooden spoons or uh, other adventures that you've got? So when I started Razzy Blog. The only why I had in my head was the reason why I need to start Razzy Blog is so I can take that burden off my chest, which was weighing really heavy and adding stress to my life. So I was like, I need to, I'm somebody who doesn't like to keep a lot of things in because when I do that manifests stress. So I was like, I need to get these things off my chest. I need to put them on paper. I need to put them out into the world so that way I can make room for positivity within my mind, my space, my head whichever so the why for Razzie blog was always just about making space in my own head and conscious so I could fill it with positive things because there was too many negative things that were taking up space there so Razzie blog was an area where I could um, talk about the hardships and the struggles and then talk about how I find positivity through them and then it also becomes this place that I can reflect back to because it's like a journal and see remind myself okay this is where um that i was having this kind of a day then and this is what i did to get through it so i sometimes have to reflect back on that too um but for hidden spoons the why was the biggest why for me came from razzy blog 
So through doing Razzie Blog and having people reach out to me and having them share their stories and seeing and them thanking me or, you know, connecting other people together, it became this community that I saw. It was a community that already existed. I definitely didn't start a community. It was a community that already existed, but I wanted to create a forum where I could get all of these people into one place so they could have online introductions with each other, they could relate with each other, because I was hearing all these incredible stories from all these people when they would reach out to me, and I felt it was owed to the world for them to hear these people's stories too, because there were so many people that I was talking to that would relate to me or message me and tell me, I feel so alone, and this is what I'm going through, I'm going through X, Y, and Z, and then someone else would message me and they'd be going through the exact same thing, but they didn't know each other. And it was, I thought, I felt it was really important to create a place where the person A could share their story and then person B who felt like they didn't have anyone to relate to could go there and they could see that, hey, there are other people that are going through what I'm going through. So the why for Hidden Spoons was always about wanting to connect people and that um, to thread together the community that already existed and to create those connections between the people so they were able to turn to each other and they were able to have it's almost like pen pals in a way you know mm. like back in the day people would have pen pals and just creating that space for them to have somewhere to turn to yeah it's beautiful one of the biggest things i find is that when i when i was in hospital and they were talking to me about having a colostomy and having having to have a stoma and stuff like that feeling that alone and I hadn't, I hadn't found anything in social media yet. And I think, I think, I think you might have said it as well, that you felt very alone in the early stages. And then through a little bit of self-discovery, you real, you become to realize that there's a bigger and wider community out there that, and I, for me, I, I can't believe how supportive our community actually is, you know, in terms of all of the uh, Facebook groups and on Instagram and stuff, the people that I follow, we all, I find we'll accept DMs, get back to people as best we can, reply to comments. And I think it's just unbelievable as a community. I think that's one of my main, I think, I don't know if it's, it's my own personal why or if it's just a, a main aim. God, you can't say that with an Irish accent, can you? <laughs> main objective is to help people understand that they're not alone. I think, I think that's one of the, if I can get, people to just realize that through seeing what i hope to produce on youtube and through the podcast um, i think that i'll be more than happy so for the people at home uh what's what's the best way for people to, to reach out to you if they wanted to get in touch what what would you suggest be the best way for people to get in touch with you if they follow me on Razzie blog and then just send me a dm like i get i get dms all the time from people whether they want to share their story or just people are always messaging with really fascinating and like beautiful things and it's amazing a lot of people just want to say hello and I appreciate that too like I'm always going to respond <laughs> so that's always the best way to get a hold of me is through Razzie blog just DM me Razzie you mentioned that you're on YouTube do you want to just tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel and what it's called um, and how they can find you on YouTube yes so our YouTube show it's run by my, myself and my friend Rachel and it became this project where we were both a little bit 
weird, especially when we get together. And part of, for me, part of getting through my illness and getting through the pain and getting through the negativity of it was finding humor and laughter through some of the hard times. And so she and I, we would, we have a good mixture on our show of, um, interviews with people and figuring out, um, how to manage illness and mental health, as well as some content, which is a little bit more targeted towards the lighter side of it and having a little bit more fun with, um, kind of the ins and outs of chronic illness and people's perceptions of what they think chronic illness entails. So we, we have a good balance and mixture between the serious stuff and then the lighter side of it. But if you want to find us on YouTube, it's help us why, why, we're actually switching that over to a podcast as well. So, um, yeah, everyone should kind of keep an eye out for that because we've got our podcast coming and it'll be just like our show was in the sense that we would interview professionals and get their opinions on things. Well, we interview different types of, um, people who have illnesses too, to kind of, it's all about, it's going to all be based around finding positivity. All right, guys, I've, I've found, um, help us and it's absolutely hilarious. I mean, like I, one of the episodes <laughs> I found most amusing was the, what people think I do in the bathroom, yeah. uh, where Ismail, <laughs> um, goes off just at the start of the movie and, uh, is is what's what's your friend called again sorry rachel and Ra- rachel is sat yeah. wondering where this guy's got to and like ends up ordering pizza and then it cuts and yeah just lots of very true to life but also very funny yeah well i'm glad you enjoy it because it's kind of all we want we want people to be able to relate to it and find you know in their harder times find a place to turn to and get information or find a place they can turn to and get a little bit of a laugh and just get an escape from the reality sometimes of what they might be feeling. And, you know, it's always good to give yourself that mental break. The question I'm thinking is, it's come to a time where you're not able to communicate anymore and everything that you've created has gone away. What three life lessons would you like for the world to have from you? So I think the three things that I would have people, the three things that I want people to take away from my own experiences would be one don't be so hard on yourself um because the it's it's something that you're going through and you can't you can't blame yourself for it so you can start feeling guilt and you can start feeling shame and all those things but you also have to be kinder to yourself and remind yourself that you didn't cause this and that it's not your fault and that this is something that's happening to you, not happening by you. You didn't, you didn't enforce this. It's not a, it's not a poor choice that you made that's led you to this. It's usually something that's dormant within yourself. So just go easier on yourself. Um, I also think that, um, it's okay. Second point, I would say it's also okay to be vulnerable. So, bottling everything up inside and is just going to manifest itself as stress and that's just going to perpetuate more into your illness so it's important that you're open and honest and vulnerable because those things it's not those aren't negative things and sometimes vulnerability people can take or they can relate it to being kind of a weakness 
but in my head, I see vulnerability more as a strength because the ability to be vulnerable leads to more space, which leads to opening doors. Whereas if you keep in that vulnerability, you're not opening any new doors. In fact, you're bursting at the seams. So it's important to allow yourself to be vulnerable and acknowledge that as a strength rather than a weakness. And then my third point I would say is just make sure that you're just understand that it's okay to put yourself first. Um, sometimes I know I can struggle with this as well. I can feel guilt um, or I can feel slightly selfish for having to put myself first and telling friends, hey, I'm not able to, I'm not able to come out and enjoy a night out with you guys because I'm not feeling well. And you can feel a little bit guilty or you can feel a little bit selfish, but you also have to look after yourself. So it's important to acknowledge that it's okay to be selfish sometimes and that it doesn't mean just because you're being selfish one evening that you are a selfish person because it's just as important for you to look after yourself. You can't be, you're not good. Most chances are you won't be fun to go out with anyways if you're not feeling well and you're yeah. just going to be drained, you're going to be tired. So you have to make sure you're looking after yourself as well. Totally. Mate, cool. thank you so much for uh, coming on. Is there, anything, is there anything else you want to add in or anything that you don't feel I've, I've touched on that you'd like to have? Not that I can think of. I think you covered a lot of stuff there. And like, again, like I'm super appreciative of what it is you're doing here. Um, I think it's really important. I think it's an important discussion to have. And I think it's important that people like yourself are um, creating these types of forums because the more we do this, the less, the less quiet our voices or the less invisible our illnesses are because we're then helping people come out of the woodworks and feel comfortable. So again, like I just want to applaud you for what you're doing. Yeah, mate, that's, that's honestly heartfelt. I was saying straight back to you. It's like Thanks. One, of the, one of the main things I think for IBD and chronic disease in general is just trying to make it a mainstream discussion. Yeah. And that it becomes a normalized. It's not, you know, one's then fearful or feels ashamed or yeah. less of who they might be just yeah. because of something that is completely out of their control in any way. Yeah. There shouldn't be any stigma towards what we're dealing with, anyways, because it's a part of life. It's uh, millions of people have what we have. Why are we trying to keep it so quiet? It's nothing negative. Okay, guys, I hope you really enjoyed that episode and got a lot from it. If you really did like the episode, don't forget to leave us a comment down below. Hit that like button because it's really important. And don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell icon so you get alerted every time that we upload. So we'll see you in the next episode.